Welcome to Fan the Flame, the podcast with Pastor Scott Owens and Aaron Owens. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome back to Fan the Flame. We're excited that you're here with us today. Uh, as you saw the uh, the title of today's episode, is we're going to have a little bit of fun. We're actually going to do something. First time we've done this, we're going to talk about, uh, break down the message from Sunday, which if you weren't here for Sunday's message here at Northside, it is on our Facebook page that you can go back and watch, which we, uh, we recommend that you do. It was a phenomenal message. Very uh, topical message uh, for today's you know, world. It's something that we all needed to hear, that you need to hear, we believe. So you can find that on our uh, Facebook page at Northside TX. Uh, the link is in there on our timeline. Great message. Going back and watching it. Dad, you really, you really brought it to us Sunday. That was a tough message to bring uh, to our church because of the atmosphere that is kind of circulating in our nation uh, for the past, gosh, three or four years. This, this, you know this air of just animosity and anger, and the 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 push for self-preservation, self-assertion, self-entitlement. And boy, when we got to that section of Peter, I kind of knew where we were going with that, where God was going with that, and uh, it really resonated with me uh, how Christians' attitudes are to be in. Uh, this day that we're we're, we're living, and uh, so yeah, it, it was it was one of those uh, very sobering, convicting uh, messages that we needed a shock to our system. Well, yeah, as believers, we, we all have a. I think I think at some point in our lives, even now throughout your life, I think we all end up struggling with authority, being under authority. People who have authority have problems with having power. Uh, and control uh, we and influence, and then we as just human beings, not even as believers, all human beings have an issue sometimes with authority, whether it be government authority, state authority, uh, job authority, or just authority that is in the home. We don't want to give up power. That's it. We don't want to give up the the power of our lives to somebody else, especially somebody that we don't see eye to eye on. Uh, with the issues of our current culture. And we've got some serious issues that are circulating that the church has chosen to kind of go about this thing in a very uh, 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 harsh, uh, we've, we've got this triumphalist uh, uh, you know, activism about us that you know, we uh, need, we should, we have to be heard. And, you know, nowhere in the Bible does it ever tell us, Aaron, that we are to be debaters and arguers and fighters and walking out on street corners with picket signs and screaming across at people that we think, and I stress that, Aaron, we think, uh, is doing things wrong. Uh, Nowhere in the Bible does it tell us as believers that we're to act that way. And, man, we're acting and you, you know why? And we wonder why nobody comes to church. Why is the church not having the effect on its culture and the world in which we live, like it should? You know, uh, I, you know, if I was outside of the church and I was an unbeliever, I wouldn't want to go to church either because they act like they hate everybody. Yeah. So you've been speaking the past couple of weeks on Sunday mornings, 
you've been doing a series called Questions, a study through the book of First Peter, which has been really awesome, really fun. Peter really kind of just throws it out there. And if you don't know the sort of the personality of Peter, he's a real go-getter, lets his mouth kind of talk, you know, really big. He's got a big mouth in a good way and in a bad way, if you read the scriptures. But the book of First Peter is has been a phenomenal book to study the past couple of weeks. And the book of First Peter, there's a there's a section of scripture in there. It's First Peter chapter two, uh, verses thirteen through twenty five that people love to take out of context a lot, and they try to use it as a platform to justify their actions uh, or their words toward other people, which is you know it's sad that the Bible yes. that there's scripture that's taken out of context yeah. that way. But how do pastors and people? How are we supposed to treat that section of Scripture and First you know, Peter. This is a tough section uh, for the people who Peter were, uh, was writing to. They're exiles in this dispersion. Uh, they're kind of scattered in what we know of as today as modern day Turkey. And uh, the thing about it is, is uh, for for Peter to write to them and say, "Hey, you need to submit to these authorities, the same authorities that were wanting to." you know, do away with Christianity, demanding that they worship Caesar, capital punishment if uh, they did not worship Caesar. And then Peter comes up and says, hey, you know, you guys need to submit to the king. You need to submit to the governors. You servants need to submit to the masters. You wives need to submit to the husbands. You husbands are to honor your wives. And and, and, you know, this is a different tone from Peter. I mean, we look at Peter in the book of Matthew. He's drawing sword. He's cutting the ear off. He's uh, taking matters into his own hands. Jesus looks at him and said, hey, put your sword up. You know, if you're going to live by the sword, you're going to die by the sword. And uh, and so we come to First Peter, and he's kind of sheathed that sword, and he's looking at these people, and he said, hey, you need to put up your sword. And so... You know, uh, a lot of pastors make uh, this portion of Scripture say what they suppose it should say rather than actually what the Holy Spirit of God has intended it to say. And let me just go ahead and say this. The pulpit nor the pew, if you have pews. uh, uh, I used P because it's alliterated. But the pulpit nor the pew is a proper place to be promoting political, personal propaganda. Uh, Neither is it a place to start persecuting and putting down people that you disagree with. And let me tell you something. If you're a pastor listening to this and you platform your pulpit to bash the president, to bash uh, the government uh, of the state you reside in, uh, if you use your pulpit to bash law enforcement officers and those who are in authority upholding the laws of our land, shame on you because you have just taken your calling of God to preach the word of God to a whole new dangerous level. And for me to use the pulpit as a springboard to beat up people that we think are wrong and that take matters in our own hands and try to raise up this militant spirit of just rebellion and, and anarchy in our country, you are not right with God. You need to repent and and tell your church you're sorry for going outside the boundaries of God's word because God tells us 
to submit to the king, which would be our president, Aaron, to submit to these governors who uphold the laws that have been set in order. That would be your police, your state police, your local police, your sheriffs, you know, your city councilmen, your mayors, whoever it is that, that resides over those communities. You are to submit to your employees, employers. If you're an employee, you have a job. Christians are uh, let me tell you something. If you're a Christian, like I said, Sunday, you owe it to your employer to give them an honest day's work commanded by God. You yeah. know, it's simple. Yeah, that's so true. Well, and, you, you know, people love to throw the terminology and the and the, the thing of separation of church and state. And they that applies to is like, you know, church business and government business. That's what that, you know, whole thing applies to separation of church and state. But I would say that applies to the pastor and church leadership as well, is that when you are teaching the word and when you're teaching uh, a group of believers or non-believers and you're in a situation in your church or a setting where you're presenting the, the word, the gospel, keep your message separated from church and state in a way where you're not up there uh, trying to promote a certain official or demote a certain official. Sure, sure. It's separation separation of church and state. Aaron is simple. Uh, you know, every believer, uh, you have a civil duty to vote. All right, we're in an election year. All right, we're talking about some very touchy subjects today, but we're in an election year. We're fixing to get a new president. Okay, and uh, we are we have a civil duty as citizens of the United States of America to vote. Okay, my opinion is this, and you can take it or leave it. If you don't vote, you don't have an opinion. Okay, so voting is our civil duty. It's something that you know we as Americans have the freedom to do to vote in. You know our uh, elected officials and separation of church and state. Uh, we've taken that thing and we've stretched that thing to uh, to a to a, a position in a place where it's kind of blurred now. You know, uh, it does. You know, separation of church and state doesn't mean the church cannot be actively involved in its state or in its nation. Uh, but but here's what uh, it, you know it kind of does mean is that you know the state you know can't really <coughs> excuse me can't really. Uh, come in and dictate what goes on within the church. Uh, and so, but we've taken this thing uh, and used it as our crutch or, or, or used it as ammunition to uh, push our agendas, push our, you know, what we think should happen, shouldn't happen. Oh, separation of church and state. Uh, you know, uh, the, the problem with our day and age that we're living in now is, is the church has stuck its head in the sand for so long. Now that we do want to speak out, it's like, oh, you know what? Uh, you, you know, it doesn't matter what you think. We should be actively voicing uh, what the Bible says about the issues of our day. And so what are those issues, man? We got the, you know, uh, you know, all these different issues that are circling. Abortion is an issue right now, you know, uh, the LGBT community is an issue uh, that we hear a lot being talked about. Uh, racism and stuff like that. All these issues, you know, it doesn't matter what our opinions are on these things, Aaron. It doesn't matter what I think. But what does the Bible say about this? Because we as believers, we stand on the Word of God. Yeah, that's right. So looking through First Peter, looking at this, this passage of Scripture, let's break down what is P Peter actually teaching here as far as 
the positions of authority that we're supposed to be submit that we're submitting to, uh, that we're respecting, showing uh, signs that we're you know under their authority. What are the positions that Peter's breaking down here for us? Uh, Peter's kind of breaking down for us, Aaron, the uh, the duty uh, or, or, or Christian civil responsibility. That's what he's breaking down here. What is my civil responsibility within the setting of the the political uh, uh, arena, uh, governmental uh, entities? You know, like I said before, the law enforcement and stuff like that. Uh, he uh, occupationally servants. You know, obey. You know, submit to your masters. That's that's the that would be the equivalent of our modern day employee employer. Uh, I even added here educational, you know, your teachers, uh, students should be uh, respecting them and honoring that authority that, that is there in front of them. And then he goes down into 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 1 and 7, and he kind of draws the context of our responsibilities of honoring and respond, respecting uh, into the uh, context of the home. Uh, it talks about the wife that who is who is married to an unbelieving husband, you know, uh, and and a, and a husband and his duty of honoring his wife as a weaker vessel, and you know, it's like I said uh, Sunday, you know, uh, uh, that doesn't mean women are weaklings, but women have a uh, a special sensitive side to them that men should be in tune to. You know, men ought to be. Uh, Avid students of their wives. That's what that, that actually means. Learn them and minister to them accordingly. And so, uh, you know, it, it's our civil responsibility in the context of these settings of political, governmental, occupational, educational, the home, marital uh, context. We have a responsibility within each of these entities to show a level of respect. Now, here's what you need to understand. Nowhere in the Word of God does it say that we're all going to agree. And so we have to, what, agree to disagree. But there are orders of authority that have been set and ordained by God that the Christian is responsible to respect. And I, and it's like I said Sunday, I don't know if you uh, were, I heard the laughter but I told everybody in our church to just stretch their neck and swallow hard because this is a pill from the medicine cabinet of God that is hard to swallow today because we as Christians, and Aaron, you have to agree with this, man. We as Christians have allowed ourselves to be influenced by media, social media, uh, the news media, and we have found ourselves becoming coffee shop critics. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. And here's the thing. There's going to be presidents. There's going to be government officials. There's going to be uh, people who are in office that we don't agree with, that our stance and our view on politics and how the world should be and how our, you know, our nation should conduct itself in certain manners. There's going to be presidents. There's going to be people who we don't agree with, their stance, that their view of things. But we as a, as a, as a believer, no matter if we agree or disagree, we have to treat that same person with respect, whether we like him or not. And that goes for everyone, honestly. Do you pray for him? You know, is it, it's hard to pray for him. Do you pray for him? Do you consider, you know, the position that they're that they're in, the title that they hold, and all the weight and the burden that they carry? I mean, that's a you know, people love to say, well, if I was president, and if it was okay, if you were president, you would probably be 
so stressed out, you would probably quit. Feeling the same pressure. Yeah. And so it's a whole different, you know, we love to judge and hark on people, you know, as we stand back in a, in a lifestyle and in a position where we're not seeing through the same eyes as they are or not in the same position or perspective that they're standing in. But, you know, that's not up to us. We have to, we have to make up our mind and listen to the Word of God and, and stay faithful. And uh, no matter if you agree with them or not, if you like them or don't, you don't like them, who cares? You got to pray for them. You got to consider them. Uh, consider, they have families. You know, they're human beings. They have a soul. They have a heart. They have emotions. And so, yeah, you know, we live in a day and age. Social media is just terrible. It's trash. Um, but one thing that, you know, as far as disagreeing is, is God asking us to submit even when there are issues that run contrary to the Bible, because that's a big thing. If there are issues coming up that that don't line up with God's word, do we submit even then? You know, Aaron, that's a very good question because we have we have come to the point in our in the church where we have follow the world's lead in categorizing people. And when we say issues, that's a word that, man, is like a secular word. Uh, is God asking us to submit to these authorities even when, you know, there, there are topics, there are issues that uh, run contrary to the Word of God? You know, I want to say that there is nowhere in the Bible where God asks his people to bend, budge, or bow to anything that runs contrary to the conviction of the Word of God. Now, listen, that's not your personal preference. I'm talking biblical conviction, where it is clearly outlined in the Word of God in black and white the authority to which the church should be standing on is the word of God. If it runs contrary to that particular text, if there is something outlined clearly by God in his word that said, hey, this is what I feel uh, about this. This is how I feel. This is what God says about this. This is his word, his final word on the matter. Nowhere does God ask us to give in to that. Now, let me go ahead and say this, Aaron. I'm uh, 50 years old, coming up this year. There are things that are accepted in our society right now that I thought I would never see. I never saw it when I was younger. And uh, and the fact of the matter is, is um, I have to look past those things and see people. And so... I can't agree with certain things that our world, our nation is doing and agreeing to do, to uh, that is voting in to do. I can't agree with that. I can't line up with that. Uh, does that mean I stop paying taxes because I don't want to fund this stuff? Well, you know, if I do that, I go to jail. You know, Jesus said, render unto Caesar what is Caesar's, unto God what is God. Do I stand on the corner and picket it to make a point? Nowhere does God tell me to do that. So no, God does not tell us that, you know what, I need you to bow, bend. Look at the three Hebrew children in the book of Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You know, they could not bow to that image. They refused to bow to that image, even if it cost them going into the furnace. 
But nowhere in that text is a level of disrespect for Nebuchadnezzar. They just said, we're not doing it because it goes contrary to what has been engrafted into our heart. The scripture in Exodus, it says, you shall have no other gods before me. God's pretty plain on that. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, you know what? We're not going to bow. We're not going to bend. We're not going to budge. Oh, king, whatever happens, happens. They go into the fire. Of course, Jesus sustains them. They come out. God's going to take care of it. And so God is not asking you to cave or comply or, you know, compromise, which we like to throw that word around. We have a voice. I don't know if people understand that, Aaron. Maybe you ought to talk about that just a minute. We have a voice, uh, the church does, and it's the voice of God. It's the word of God. That is our voice, Aaron. That is the voice we sound out to this world. We stand upon the scriptures, okay? And so that is our voice. And so we talk about the issues, if you want to use that term, in the context of scripture. What does the Bible say? Because what does the word of God tell us? His word will not return void. Well, that's a that's a thing as far as your voice. As believers, when we start to get into a discussion or we start to use our voice, the moment you say something and you're trying to you're talking about a subject or you're on a topic with someone or a group of people, whatever it is, the situation may look like. The moment you say, Well, my pastor said, or the moment you say, Well, my friend said, exactly. or this radio host said, or this this news channel said the moment you start to say those things, you are contaminating the entire conversation, and the voice that you're using is the Poison. incorrect voice. It's not the right voice. But the moment you say, well, God said, or the Bible says, or Jesus says, then you're on the right track. That conversation is where it needs to be. You're using your voice, your God-given voice, the correct way. Because that ultimately, that's the voice everyone needs to hear is, is God's voice, what God has to say about the situation. And... I think that this using your voice the proper way needs to be brought up in and as far as like our marriages. Cause husbands and wives, there's this whole authority submission thing, you know, especially in twenty twenty, uh it's very it's you're talking about wives submitting to your husbands. That text right there can be it one or one of two things is happening to that text in twenty twenty. Men who are full of themselves are taking that verse and saying, well, that means you listen to what I say. I do whatever I want. You listen to me. You bow to me. You serve me. You know, I'm the head of the household. I'm going to pound my fist, stamp my foot, and you break your neck to do whatever I want you to do. Okay, that's wrong. The other thing that's happening to that scripture is, wife, submit to your husband. Well, that's out of date. People say that's out of date. We live in a day and age where women are independent. Women can do whatever they want. Women, you know, are getting to a place where uh, they're on an equal level as men. And it's like, okay, but that's not what this scripture is talking about no, either. It's, it's, it's being taken out of context. It's way out of context, Aaron. Way out of context. And, you know, uh, I've always said it. I think it's what the Bible says when it says women submit unto your husbands, to your own husbands. We miss the, the, the text that's right above that in the book of Ephesians where it says men love your wives as Christ loved the church. There, there is this, uh, this uh, uh, you know, this almost a, 
a coming together, it, it kind of feeds off of one another. If you if you know if a woman is to submit, then the the man ought to be treating her in a way that you know gives her a reason to want to submit. You know, I want to submit to Christ's authority because of what He did for me. He died for me. He loved me so much that he gave his life, laid it down, bled and died on a cross for me. In return for that, I find it very easy to do what? Oh, I'm going to give myself to the, to him. And so when Paul said that in Ephesians, you know, wives submit unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. Okay. We miss that part. And so when Peter tells the wives, hey, be subject unto your husbands, you know, he's not saying, oh, every time they walk in, you bend a knee. Even on, even in that scripture in First Peter 3, it talks about Sarah calling Abraham Lord. You know, it, it, it's a uh, an example of meekness uh, is what it is. It's power under control. And, and, and so, you know, if you're a husband and you expect your wife to be at your beck and call every time you ring a bell... Uh, man, you got problems. You are a dictator. You are not a mate. You are not a uh, a team player here. You know. Well, the, the word submission. People hear the word submission, and their mind immediately goes to bondage, slavery. Uh, I'm under. I'm. I'm being controlled. Someone has power over me. It's like they're they're they have their fists wrapped around my life, and they're squeezing, and I can't get out. I'm in this cage. Submission in the world is like that. But submission in the kingdom of God and in the context of Scripture, submission is freedom. It's a willingness. Submission in the in the word in the word of God, submission in your relationship with Christ means freedom. It brings freedom. Submission in your relationship with your spouse or with your uh, significant other brings freedom. Sure. There's no there's no there's no constraint. Uh, that's why we were talking Sunday the 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 uh, scripture in James that calls James said you know he refers to the perfect law of liberty it's like this paradox throughout scripture it's like okay you think of the perfect law you think of boundaries you think of this you know edge there's an edge to this thing somewhere you think of constraint submission but in all honesty with god with the kingdom of god submission brings freedom um and so for the christian where do christians fit into all the political arguing and debating happening right now because that's the most famous trendy thing to do today especially among people my age um is political debating and arguing yeah it's like every time you get on social media or turn the tv on that's happening yeah political arguing political debating and where do we as believers fit into the issue of that or the 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 process of that today you know peter said in in first peter chapter 2 verse 16 Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Uh, you know, uh, here's what you need to understand. Uh, just because you're a Christian doesn't mean you get special privileges in this nation. Just because you walk around and you're a believer, you're a child of God, it doesn't mean that you have special privileges. If you think that, then you need to read First Peter because he tells them over and over and over and over again, you're going to face opposition. You're going to go through the tough stuff. People are going to oppose you. People are going to reject you. You know, we are called to this lifestyle of opposition. Uh, and, and, and so just because you're a Christian doesn't mean you have special rights, special privileges. And that's exactly what Peter means. Do not use this 
uh, your freedom and your Christianity as a cloak of maliciousness to be mean spirited towards people. And I think, man, I'm going to be honest with you. I've been in the ministry 28 years this year. And, and, and I'm going to tell you, some of, uh, some of the most meanest people on this planet are God's people. They're vicious because, man, it's like they've got this saliva coming out the sides of their mouth. They are just wanting revenge. They want to devour. Uh, and they think that just because of who they are, they can walk around with this this air about them of that, well, you know what, the, the world owes us. Uh, you know what? Uh, that's exactly what Peter said. Don't you dare clothe yourself in a mean spirit because, listen, it all boils down to this, Aaron. Verse 11 and 12 kind of pivots all of this, and it tells us, th- this is what Peter said, I urge you as sojourners and what? Exiles and pilgrims. We're not of this world. We're in it. We're in it, man. We're in it until God sees fit to take us to heaven. We're in the world. We are sojourners. We are pilgrims. We are exiles. And we are propagating a kingdom of God. That's what we propagate. We are here to do what? And this is what Peter said. To abstain from the passions of the flesh. That is that desire to feed that inner beast that wants to just lash out and sink its teeth into whatever prey it can find. Which way? And, and, and this is a we have to fight it because he said which which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, honorable, honorable. Why? So that when they speak against you as evildoers. They may see your good deeds and what? This is our ultimate goal, Aaron, for them to glorify God on the day of visitation. That's what Jesus said in Matthew 5. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and honor your Father which is in heaven. And so our objective is not to fix the world. Our objective is not to demolish the issues of our current culture. Our objective is to get to the people that are in sunk in these issues, sunk in these uh, these lifestyles, sunk in sin, with a message of hope that Jesus Christ is the answer to a dying world. That is the that is the that is the church's agenda, and we have. Man, we have, and it starts in the pulpit and floods its way down. We have taken this thing and made it about the church making a stand. That's something we've heard a lot about. We want to we want to take a stand against sin. We want to take a stand against what is wrong and stand against evil. And here's what you need to understand. Jesus already stood. He stood there in the courts of Pilate and he took it. Peter said, "You take it patiently." And listen, and not only did he stand, he hung. So these issues would have an alternative. And that alternative is grace, mercy, a loving God, a loving Father, a saving Savior that wants to to change our lives. That is the message of the church. We break down the titles. We break down the groups. We break down the categories. And we see a person that one day will die, one day will go off into eternity, 
and where they spend eternity should be the burden and the heaviness of the church's heart. That's who we are, and that's where we stand. We stand on level ground. We stand in the we we stand in the middle as bridge builders between a holy God and a sinful humanity. That's the church, you know. And so we've lost that uh, perspective of why we exist in our communities. Yeah. We fight amongst ourselves about the issues. We fight with our. Uh, with with the world uh, concerning the issues, and so the devil has man. Look, Aaron, the devil has really done a good job of kind of sidetracking God's people. Yeah. Well, the thing is, is like Christians get so worked up and so excited to talk about the kingdom of this world and like defend it and talk about it with others and get excited about talking about the world and the government and the nation and all the problems and issues that it has and. We have the solution. Everyone has the solution to the world's problems, but it's like they get so worked up and excited about talking about the USA, but to get them to talk about the kingdom of heaven and to get them to get excited about it, it's like pulling teeth. They they don't get excited about you know their relationship with God the same way that they, they get excited about talking about who's in the White House. Uh, they don't get excited about evangelism the same way they get excited about you know who's crossing the border and who's not. And it's like okay, there's a like you said, this world is not our home it's like okay we have an eternal home that's waiting for us and we're quiet about it but we spend all of our effort all of our time all of our emotion all of our energy on this piece of dirt that's going to end up getting washed away things are going to change next year things are going to change in 20 years and we get so worked up about it as believers and people you know they tear it apart and discuss it it's like okay let's put this temporary world aside out of our minds and talk about things that are eternal and so you know if we as god's people are to emulate christ and that's what he instructs us in verse 21 through 25 of chapter 2 of peter he left us uh, us an example to that that we should follow if we're to emulate christ okay so go back to matthew mark luke and john okay nowhere in there do you see christ trying to fix the issues of his day the only people he had a problem with are religious people. That's who he had the most problem with. The so-called God's people, that's who he had the most problem with. They were always attacking him. He was always trying to counteract and 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 and, and you know, bring a different twist to what their religious rituals were. But you never see him one time fighting against and being militant and being this 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 activist in in his court he had one objective and that was dying on the cross to save humanity from their sin yeah that is what he entrusted us with go ye into all the world and preach the gospel yeah well he told him he said seek first the kingdom of god exactly and so if i'm to emulate christ then i need to go back and check his life out because nowhere in the, in the word of god do i see this militant savior with a sword and a you know going after and attacking and liberating and and down you know downing this leader and downing that leader man when he stood before pilate he stood silent because the bible tells us in peter when he was reviled he reviled not but committed himself to god who judges righteously 
All right. So he stayed on track. I think the church needs to get back on track. I think we as believers need to get back on track. Look past what our world has laid up as this screen that we are to view everything through. Tear the screen down. And I mean screen. You know, I'm talking computer screens. I'm talking phone screens. I'm talking whatever screen you're looking at to get your information and all of your uh, your ammo to uh, shoot away at, uh, you know, uh, who's a president, who's a governor, who's the mayor, who's this, who's that, you know. Uh, here in recent times, we have seen a a turning where those who uphold the law, and I'm not condoning some of their actions, man, there is not this respect. And, and, and listen, and when, when Christians, and I'm talking to believers, begin to involve themselves in that, boy, we have, we have overstepped our boundaries in the Word of God. We are not focused on what God has called us to do. Yeah, so you can see the, the heaviness of the subject that we've discussed today. Uh, very, very, very topical. Can be taken, you know, has to be taken with a grain of salt. Uh, very t- big pill to swallow, like Dad said today and 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 uh, Sunday morning. But yeah, we hope you uh, enjoyed this this episode of Fan the Flame. We are loving this, and we're loving hearing your response and your feedback uh, from all the previous episodes. Uh, it just makes us, you know, really excited to hear you come to us afterwards with. Uh, questions and comments and uh, I, I just think it's great and we're really appreciative if you want to hear uh, us talk about a certain subject whether it be uh, pertaining to the kingdom of God uh, your life your walk with Christ your discipleship growth whatever it may be let us know um, in our on our social media pages or when you see us in person just holler at us let us know but with that being said I probably sound funny throughout this whole episode because I've been getting over this sinus junk and my throat and stuff but uh with that being said we love you guys so much we hope you have a great week i am aaron scott we'll see you guys later